With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome into this episode of the Denver Stiffs Show. I am your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Friday as we get into this day right after the first round of the NFL Draft. Uh, Had an interesting time last night and really enjoyed some of that. Uh, The Broncos took a receiver, Jerry Judy, out of Alabama. He's one of the guys that a lot of Broncos fans, a lot of analysts have been very high on. Uh, Personally, as a very casual NFL draft observer, I've been very happy with it, too. Uh, I know we have another couple of casual observers on the other line, uh, starting with uh, Deputy Editor Zach Mikosh of Denver Stiffs, of course. Zach, how are you doing, man? I'm doing well, and I'd like to point out it's Deputy Site Manager. We we changed my title (laughs) this last year. Yeah, I, I forgot that. That is true. That is Deputy Site Manager. Yeah, you know, I I think I I think I've messed that up a couple of times, but I'm I'm just throwing titles around left and right, so it's uh it is what it is. You you are the the right hand of this operation. That's that's really how we do the flow chart at Denver Stiss. We just throw around titles. You kind of pick what you like, and you just kind of go with it. I'm the ancient blatherer. That's what I took. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> that is your your storyteller extraordinaire. Right. Uh, that is the voice of the aforementioned Gordon Gross. Gordon is a senior writer on our staff as well, which I just gave him that title, and he, he has taken that up and I haven't done a great job down. with it. <clears throat> Even if you're talking about my age, that's okay. Of course we are. Well, I'm twice your age, <laughs> so I, I mean, it, it makes I'm sense. I'm just kidding. I just wanted to see how you would react to that. Uh, the aforementioned Jerry Judy of Alabama, we... We aren't. We're a Nuggets podcast and a and an NBA focused podcast, so we won't spend a ton of time on this. I'm not an authority on college football, but he's drawn many star comparisons. Jerry Judy has, and he won the best college receiver award. It's hard to really go wrong there, guys. Uh, what do you think of the Broncos taking Jerry Judy of Alabama? Well, I mean, I'm it, basketball is like my fourth sport, man. So right. I came to sports with football early. So football was my my first love. So uh, um, you you may be a basketball focused person, but uh, football was my jam. Um, I wanted Judy. Judy was my guy. I didn't think he would fall that far. I didn't think um, honestly he'd get past the Raiders um, because I didn't think that they would take the speed guy over the guy who could do more for their quarterback. Um, just because of the position that they're in with um, right. their quarterback situation and and the fact that he can't you know throw a deep ball. <laughs> if you're going to yeah, have a checkdown guy, you sort of want to have a guy who can catch checkdowns and turn them into touchdowns. Um, and Judy would have been that for them, but instead he's going to be playing in Denver, playing all positions. Um, dude is, you know, a six-foot receiver with like five feet of legs, so he looks a little casual when he runs routes, and then he just <laughs> runs by you. So 
does everything right. I mean, the the thing about Jerry Judy is that he does everything right. There's there's you can't complain about his route running. You can't really complain about his effort on the field, even on times he's not getting the ball. Um, his footwork is immaculate. Um, he's willing to block. He's not a heavy guy, so he's he's not a great blocker, but he's willing. Uh, that's that's just the kind of guy that you're going to get. He's going to catch touchdowns. He's going to you know, get first downs. Um, and he'll be a great compliment playing both the slot and outside as they need him to. So you can hunt mismatches. Um, yeah, I mean, it's going to be, it, it was very interesting to me. Uh, and I, I'm with, I'm with Gordon. Like it was, uh, it's a great pick. I, I did not believe, uh, Jerry Judy would be there. I didn't even really consider him for the Broncos. <laughs> Cause I thought there's just no way he's going to be there at 15. I was, I was on uh, okay with the, the Broncos p- taking a wideout at 15 because it just kind of looked like the tackles, and, and that's what we did see happen. The the tackles were yep, going to be tackles gone. tackles went early. The corners were going to be gone. So it was like, well, you know, then if there if there is, if something like this were to happen, then like, yeah, that's awesome. But I thought if something like this were to happen, I thought we're talking Henry Ruggs, maybe CeeDee Lamb. I certainly did not think that Jerry Judy was going to be there um, at 15. I certainly did not think he would not be the first wide receiver off the board so i mean to me it's it's a no-brainer and i mean it's going to be tough because you got a guy like joe burrow you know if Tua Tua ends up being healthy and can play it's going to be tough to say that jerry judy is a uh you know the the front runner i guess for offensive rookie of the year but make no mistake like the broncos have a guy who is going to be competing for offensive rookie of the year because he is by far the most nfl ready receiver out of anybody in this draft like that is a guy you plug that. in day 1 and he can play route tree he's got it down you're not trying to teach him anything you know maybe some nuances but the guy knows how to run every route he knows how to go out there and catch the ball he knows how to handle his business on offense like you know he's not just running you know um, deep routes and you know flies all the time so, yeah, I I would expect him to be pretty damn good from from the get go. It's a good thing to see because you have Drew Locke. Uh, Broncos fans have been fawning over Drew Locke all all off season, ever since he got into those final games of the year this past season. Uh, in order to best support a guy like that, you need to get him protection and get him weapons, and we'll see how the protection goes. That the Broncos right. still have a lot of time to add some offensive line talent during this draft. They've they've could potentially have a better offensive line this year. Uh, but beyond that, you just have to have elite targets. They had Cortland Sutton. They added Noah Fant in the draft last year. They added Melvin Gordon in free agency already to Philip Lindsay. So having Jerry Judy, who can be on the field for over 90% of the snaps, is is a great thing to have, and he'll be a threat. And as you guys said, he can do pretty much everything you want from a receiver position, and we'll see whether that can help him become a star. So... I think it's good. He he pretty much rounds out your weapons on offense. I mean, maybe you look at, you know, is D'Angelo Henderson really your your slot guy? And I think that's really the only thing you're looking at. I think they're going to take another wide receiver, yeah. Yeah, they'll probably get another one specifically for the slot, probably a returner and slot guy, you know, to compete for the job. Right, but you've got your two. You've got your two backs set up, and you, with, like you said, Ryan, you've got a great receiving back in Melvin Gordon. Yep. Um, you've got kind of a great uh, change of pace back in Philip Lindsay. You've got now your two stud receivers. You've got a tight end who um, made great improvements as the season went on and was a very high draft pick, and certainly profiles as an excellent weapon as well. So you've pretty much got all the weapons now around Drew Lock, and it's the matter. It's it's the problem. The Broncos still have the same problem to fix that they've had ever since essentially they fired John Fox which is they don't have tackles who can work in this sort of 
zone scheme system. Now they're going to the uh, more of a spread type offense with uh, Pat Shermer. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, the, whether or not um, that maybe helps them a bit. You know, I, well, I, I figure the ball helps gets out too, a little man. bit quicker. I mean, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, last year he didn't get sacked near as much as you would have expected because the man just ran around and got rid of the ball. Right, right. He's not a statue like Joe Flacco. Right. The point is, the Broncos have had problems at the tackle position since, basically since yep. they went away from that power run scheme with, with John Fox's team and have been, you know, and, and what I mean, what was it that, you know, Ryan Clady was gone, um, Ryan Harris obviously retired, and like, you, you just... You've never, you've been, it's been Medalik Watson or Michael Schofield or, you know, now. Michael Schofield still gives me shivers, yeah. Yeah, like it's just been a a swinging door at the tackles. So they still, it's great to have these weapons. They still got to figure out how they're going to protect Drew Locke. And they may wind up trading. Like, honestly, they may wind up with with trading for uh, another tackle now just to see what. Like Trent Williams or. Yeah, yeah, I was was thinking Trent Williams, yeah. And if you have Jerry Judy, he can help you get separation and maybe get the ball out a little bit quicker because he gets that separation just a little bit earlier. Well, that's so. the idea. Is you're, you're hoping for mismatches. You got, you've got backs to drop the ball off to. You've got wide receivers who can um, win 50-50 balls. Like, mm-hmm. this is what you're looking for is, I'm going to throw the ball, you go get it. And, and they've got guys that can do that now. Yeah, and well, you're gonna have to you have to choose your poison with those receivers, right? You can't if you're gonna double Cortland Sutton, you're just letting Judy probably win uh, most of his matchups. So it's good to see, it's good to hear, and glad it seems like a universally loved pick, at least on social media right now. And we all seem to like it. And I trust nobody more on Denver Broncos stuff than the three of us in this call. So, <laughs> so right. it's a good thing. Get your heart out, Mile High Report. Yeah. Uh, well, either way, and. Honestly, Denver is best when, like, the city in general is best when all four major sports teams are good. The Broncos obviously being down over the past couple of years has, it's been good for Nuggets clicks. It's been good for helping them get back on the map. But you'd love to see the city popping all year round with these good has sports there, teams. And Has there ever been a time when all four teams were good? No. Because I feel like I yeah, so. I feel like either the Rockies or the Nuggets have sucked the entire like yep. the entire history of of the Rockies at least being around. Yeah, and I'm 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 still worried about the Rockies. But if you can get three out of four, then that's that's pretty good. The Rockies, it, could, dude, it all depends. Like, how good were the Broncos in '09? Right? Uh, they were eight and eight. Okay, so mediocre because that the Rockies made the playoffs. Uh, the I think the Az might have made. the no, I think the Az were maybe maybe that was the year they got swept by, by Detroit. Right. Um, and then that's an evergreen uh, statement. Yeah. Well, no, I mean um, back in the back in your before your time. Yeah, before Ryan, Ryan was born, it was okay. Yeah, we 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 sent send to go back and forth, but yeah, the Red Wings had the. <laughs> this is a Ryan problem, is what I'm coming up with. Had the better better of the Damn. Avs there for the for the 2000s. Fucking but yeah, but I think here. the uh, and then that was the year you're right. The Nuggets go to the Western Conference Finals. Um, so that was probably the closest we got. Well, and hopefully we can get back to it. And the, the Broncos going as young as they are, uh, that's a good sign. They've, they've added a lot of these draft picks. Hopefully most of them work out. It seems like John Elway's done a reasonably good job, at least with the this last draft and the 2019 draft before it. So we'll see where it goes. We'll see how it happens. Yeah, his, uh, his drafts have not been an abject disaster. So that, that has been improvement. Lately, the past two years, yeah, like yeah, say, yeah. The well, three of the last years, four have been pretty good, honestly. Although you know, yeah. there was a certain pick in, in Paxton uh, Lynch. Yeah, that that certain <laughs> pick was not good, but <laughs> other picks were okay. That's okay. 
Uh, well, pivoting from one draft to another, let's talk a little bit about the NBA draft because we, we were talking a little bit before this podcast about uh, some of the really good players in this draft, and I thought it would be a good idea to just mention college basketball a little bit. Draft season is coming. It's, it's around the corner. It's not quite here, and we don't know what is going to happen over the course of these next couple of months with this NBA season. So this draft film is not going to go anywhere. We know most of what these guys are about. They're not going to be put into competitions during this coronavirus situation. So well, and this is, this so is pretty much the, what we have. Nuggets step up, too. Like yeah, guys, guys to. that only they've seen or guys that they scouted a little bit on tape in some random Eastern European gym. Like th- this is their jam. You have a this flat draft, so your how you evaluate players is in critical importance. You can't just be wowed by them in person or whatever. You have to actually do your work. Every so, time it's um, been a pretty flat draft. The Broncos, have, or, excuse me, the Nuggets have been pretty good in those situations. Yeah. Get on the right sport, Brian. So I, I want to bring this up because it's interesting. So I read this. Uh, <laughs> um, I read this. I read this article. It was out of a Polish newspaper. Um, but they, it was an inter- interview with Ruffle Juke, and what he said was that the scouting is essentially done. Like, yeah. that was all finished before this happened, and now it was all about compiling the data, going back over the film, you know, and, and kind of starting to set up your draft board. Obviously, you would have they would have paid attention, you know, to March Madness um, had, that, had that occurred. But really, you know, in, in terms of, like, scouts going out and, and watching games – like that part was already finished for the year, so it's. I, I wonder, like, so how does this affect? It? Because now that they they have probably are going to have more time. Does that work to your advantage, or do you start getting kind of like you know you're you're too deep in the numbers, you start second guess, guessing yourself and stuff like that? It's going to be. I think, and as we as we're seeing right now with the NFL draft, like it's gonna there's going to be a lot more um, randomness to it. You're people are going to go where you weren't quite expecting them to go you're gonna things that you're gonna hear are gonna be a lot more of it's gonna just be total you know total bs that's just smoke screens because smoke screens are easier to put out right now there's everybody's behind you know everybody's behind the screen (laughs) literally like they're everybody is behind their computer screen so like you can i mean we know how it is you can put out you you can put anything you want on the internet right yeah it's it's gonna be fascinating that hurts nuggets a little bit is that a lot of teams that like big splashy players that would focus on you know, that guy came into my gym and jumped 40 inches in the air, or right. that guy had that one great performance in the NCAAs. They forget the rest of their tape. And right. now we yep. can't let them shoot yep. themselves Ruffle in the foot. Too. Yeah. We'll see how this develops. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what this draft process is going to look like. My guess is that it's mostly the interviews and the pre-draft workouts that are going to be the most affected. It's always nice to get a guy in-house and really get a feel for them, really get to understand who they are as a person as much as you can, even though it sometimes is overrated, like the the feeling of a person as opposed to just looking at the film and seeing what kind of basketball player they are. So it'll be interesting to see what that does. But my, my feeling with that is that if you're split between a guy you're probably just going to lock in on someone that you know is going to fill a need as opposed to being the best available player uh, because it's so hard to pick the best available player in a draft like this where it's flat. You don't know who is the best. It's very hard to put a real lock and key on, on a draft ranking, on a draft big board. So finding a guy that fits your team is probably the best way to go. Right. Uh, Do you guys agree with that? 
Yeah, I mean, I think there's always, and, and as we've seen with the Nuggets in the you know in the past two drafts, like if they if they feel like there's a great value pick there, um, they'll make it regardless. And I think that that would still hold true now. Like if if somebody like a, a Michael Porter Jr. or a Bull Bull slid far enough to where the Nuggets felt like, okay, this is this is a guy we're going to get because the value is just too good to pass up. Like I think you would still go. Um, in that direction. I'm watching the draft right now, and I don't know what's up with Mike Rabel's kids, but my goodness. Um, anyways. <laughs> <laughs> We're dating ourselves, Zach. Yeah. No, it is. It is a, the, the Vrabel household is, has some odd attire for, the, uh, for their draft uh, cameos. But anyways, um, I, I, but I tend to agree. Yeah, like you're, you're going to stick with what's safe, and it always feels like going with what I – you know your system, and you know the holes in your system. So if you don't know the players as well as you'd hope, you, you're going to go with what you know. And what you know is I've got this hole. This player seems to fit that. So maybe he's not the best player, but I'm going to – it feels safer. So I, I agree with you. I think that we're going to see that um, quite a bit more in this one. Well, and you're going to see a lot of um... – Everybody's going to be looking for that niche guy. If you don't think that there's a bunch of all-stars in this draft, um, and you're not looking for, you know, the like if it was baseball, you'd be talking about five tool players. You know, and if, sure. and if you don't consider that there are a bunch of five tool, like, um, NBAers in this draft, then you're looking, you know, for a guy with the best curveball you can find or the unhittable forkball or the guy who has ridiculous power and you can work on the rest of that stuff, you know? And so the nuggets are looking for, you know, do you have a guy who's, who's a wing can, who can defend? Can he shoot and defend? That would be amazing. You know, now every team wants that, but it's, it's up to the nuggets to find a guy that can fit in because you're not going to get a lot of shots on a team with, Jamal Murray and um, Michael Porter Jr. and Barton and Jokic getting the shots that he needs. Like, Jokic would be fine taking 10 shots a game, but the Nuggets suck. They should not let him do that. So you don't have a lot of um, shots to go around. So you need a guy who can fit in, take a couple shots, play a lot of defense. I mean, I'm not saying you're you're looking for another Tory Craig, but you're sort of looking for a bigger Tory Craig. You're looking for you're looking for OG Ananobi. Yeah, you want OG Ananobi on this team. That would be your guy. Right. Can you crash draft Tyler Lydon? Yeah, that'd yeah. Be, don't draft Tyler nice. Lydon, please. <laughs> so I figured the best place to start with this is instead of focusing on the college prospects, just focus on what the Nuggets have. What do they have? What do they need? What? Who are the guys that they're locking in over the course of the next few years? And which of these guys in the draft do we think could accompany that? Which of them do we think could maximize Denver's strengths or fill in their weaknesses, etc.? So I started with Murray, Porter, Jokic. Those are the three that I think are locked in right now. Yep. Just based off yeah. of uh, what the Nuggets I mean, have been contracts. putting out there, contracts. Uh, we don't think that they're trading Michael Porter Jr. anytime soon unless somebody I don't think any. Like, yeah, I can't imagine who somebody yeah. would offer that would get Michael Porter Jr. and his low-priced contract for the next couple of years out of their hands. Yeah, I mean, it would have to be a scenario of a, of a superstar becoming disgruntled and demanding out and then, you know... Right. I mean, that. if Kevin Durant wants out of, uh, you know, out of... Brooklyn. Brooklyn. I almost called it New Jersey. <laughs> I know. <laughs> was out of Brooklyn. Did you see Brooklyn's going to – I'm sorry, I'm going to get off on a quick tangent here. Do you see Brooklyn's considering Jason Kidd as their coach again? Yep. It's moronic. I was it's, like, do you guys their, just hate their yourselves? Their entire list. The <laughs> list consisted of Ty Lue. Mark Jackson. Uh, it was Mark Jackson, Jeff Van Gundy, 
Jason Kidd and I think somebody else, but I don't remember who. But like those four names, that's like the that's like the four horsemen of the apocalypse for an awful coaching hire. And like, none of them are better are than the guy you about? just fired. It's yeah, that, yeah, none of them are definitely better than Atkinson. I mean, I, I still kind of, I, it's, it's hard to say about Van Gundy, right? He was a good coach, but he's old school. Like, how would he coach in, in today's NBA? Like, I don't. He coached don't the know. '90s Knicks. Right, yeah. yeah, which were like the antithesis of this sort of, of this sort of play. Yeah, <laughs> right. As as Post somebody who's Patrick watching Ewing the and... Michael Jordan documentary right now, like I don't think you want the '90s Knicks in this current iteration of modern basketball. That just doesn't make no, any sense at all. So it would be like hiring you, uh, the grit Jordan and grind Allen Grizzlies coaching staff. Are, right. I'll say yeah. Jordan Allen and, and DeAndre Jordan are definitely not Patrick Ewing. So no. it's going to be tough <laughs> to do that '90s Knicks, even if you wanted to. Yeah, but either way. uh I think that Murray Porter Jokic pretty locked in. Yep. I think that Grant is going to be locked in as well. I, I agree it's just with that. every everything seems to be transitioning that way that they're probably going to get him locked in. Two, three, four year deal, whatever is reasonable. If they think he's it's the starting power three forward, with a, with a with a player option. I'm not lying. Probably. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh yeah. Um Harris and Barton are still locked in multiple years under contract. Monte Morris is in the last year of his deal, but I still think they want to keep him around. So I just listed uh, eight guys, and one of those guys, it's probably either Harris or Barton, is probably going to get moved, but right. we don't know that. We can't really speculate on it too much. But and, Well, and honestly, among, unless you have that deal in place, you don't draft for need betting yeah. you're going to move a guy. You just get a guy who you know could fit in your system if you wind up moving a guy or he gets injured who could step Correct. in for Gary Harris if something happens to him, whether that means being traded or being injured yeah, because, or what. I mean, with, with whoever the Nuggets take in this draft, that's not a guy who's going to play next year. Like, let's just No, you, you would expect not. Yeah. If Michael Porter Jr. can't get minutes, like whoever they pick at 21 is, is going to be spending a lot of time down know. in the G League. I'm a, I'm, I'm a little bit more skeptical on that than you are, just because the – the Michael Porter Jr. type is the exact type of player that Michael Malone wants to wait, wants him to learn and figure out the defensive concepts. If they draft a guy who's already good at defense, then he might play immediately. If he can shoot, like there's no reason he shouldn't be playing immediately, and he he might. So I'm I'm. Well, at that's least true. As long as you don't go with an offense first that. guy, you know, don't draft any more Malik Beasley's. I guess yeah. no more Beasley's, no yeah, more MPJ's. Who needs guys who can score? That's ridiculous. No Wanchos. Yeah, we don't want shooters. <laughs> uh, so I think, I mean, I like, when you're looking at them, like, so if you were going to talk about, I don't know, like, I, I would honestly, like, if you found a big who could basically be the backup, because I assume Mason Plumley is not going to be back next season. I, I'm, not, right. I'm not basing that off anything I've heard or anything like that. It's just my assumption is I don't that see it fitting. they're not yeah. going to pay Mason Plumley. Right. So if you could find a bit a backup for um, Jokic in the draft like that, that I could see that guy maybe getting minutes because they're gonna they're gonna have to find someone. I don't. I mean, maybe they they go with Bull Bull, but that that seems like it's gonna be Michael Porter Jr. 2.0 next season. Like it's gonna be the same scenario where we're waiting. Like, is this guy uh, is is Malone gonna play him? Because Bull Bull, Bull is. I mean, he's obviously a, a very solid rim protector, but he's he's for the most part an offensive guy, right? That's that's why you're playing him. You're not playing him necessarily for sure. his defense. Well, for Bull Bull, I mean, his shot blocking is ridiculous. No, yeah, I mean, like I said, he's a good rim protector, but I don't necessarily think that that. I mean, that that's like the bonus, right? You, you're playing Bull Bull for what he can do on offense more than what he can do on defense. If we'll you see. Think so. We'll see. I I mean, I don't I don't know. 
whether they're playing Bull Bull at all because he's only played seven or eight games in the G League. Well, and yeah, exactly. He may not even be able to be counted upon. So I think it is a need. The three things that I outlined here were perimeter length and defense at the at all three of point guard, shooting guard, small forward. You guys touched on that. That's very clear. Outside shooting to complement their starting and bench units, that seems pretty straightforward as well. They didn't have enough outside shooting. You probably need some. Uh, and then a backup big man who could play maybe at the four, maybe at the five. If, if they're versatile, that's probably sure. a great thing. Uh, right. Even if they draft a guy who's not necessarily big enough to play the five, but like like as a regular guy, but could slide there in small ball units while Michael Porter Jr. plays the four or Jeremy Grant plays the four or one of those guys, then you could probably make it work. So that's that's the three things that I have outlined there. Do you guys have any qualms with that? No. No, I don't think so. It seems pretty reasonable. So and like, right. like so you, you have guys, Jalen Smith I, on this list, right? Uh, no, I don't, because I am not very versed in college basketball right now, and I don't feel like I don't feel like I have a locked-in opinion on who the best guys are for those types of positions and and all of those needs. But I do have five guys listed that I think, hey, if the Nuggets drafted these guys, they'd be pretty good. They'd sure. be they'd be on a good list. So the first one is Devin Vassell out of Florida State. He's ranked higher than twenty-one. And I don't expect him to last this long, but that worse things have happened, and the Nuggets could technically trade up for a guy if they really think he's I mean, good. Porter got down so, to them, so anything's possible. Anything is possible, and if you really like a guy, you can probably get them. So, length, athleticism, defense as a wing player. He's six 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 seven with a seven foot wingspan. Shoots really well. He's one of the smartest team defenders in the draft, also has the length to be a one-on-one guy. So he's mostly a complimentary offensive player, but he can handle the ball, can create for himself at times. I like I think him. He's, he's kind of like Danny Green. Yeah. Like, yeah. Or like he's I guess a plug like and play Michael guy, Bridges maybe, like Michael Bridges. Yeah, and those guys are valuable in this league. They may yeah. not necessarily defend your top players, and but – I think if you're the Nuggets, you have to start swinging for the fences at those types of players, hoping that they could develop into a guy like that. Like a, uh, who can defend Kawhi Leonard in this league? Like how many right. players yeah. can you list them on two hands? Paul George. I don't even. even. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if you could get that far. So I think just having a number of swings to get as many of those types of players on your roster as possible and hope that one sticks, that's probably a good idea. That's the Boston Celtics method of drafting. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Uh, Zach, if he's available, I, I think they should definitely take him. I think he's – I would rate him higher than, than 21st on my board. So, yeah, like yeah. – I mean, I haven't made a board, but I can't think of 20 other guys that would take over him. Yeah, and – Zach, I don't know if there's a guy on this Nuggets roster that can defend those LeBron James and Kawhi Leonard's on a consistent basis. So, probably no, should yeah. try and get one of those guys, right? Yeah, I mean, your your best best bet right now will be Tory Craig, who's undersized for a guy like a LeBron. And I mean, let's let's. I mean, Tory Craig, he, he's a good he's a good defender, but he is what he is. He's not he is not an elite first team all NBA defender like that's that's not a knock on on Tory I mean he's a good NBA, effort defender man is. yeah yeah but exactly but he's he's not what you would consider a shutdown perimeter defender to the point he can shut down Derek White he's not going to shut down Kawhi Leonard so right. like yeah you got to find that guy now again it's um it's incredibly hard that's what to everyone find wants to do. that guy yeah. yeah exactly it's it's like that thing like you know I mean 
Uh, I'm sure everybody would be, looks at a guy like Nikola Jokic and is like, hey, if we can find a seven-footer who can, you know, we could run an offense through and is a ridiculously good shooter and uh, is his IQ, his basketball IQ is through the roof. Like, yeah, everybody wants a guy like that, but they, they just there's just not that many that exist. Yeah, but here's the thing. The Sixers drafted Matisse Teibel at 20th mm-hmm. this past season. Like, he's one of those guys that once yep. he starts getting That's playing time, once he starts playing consistently, he could be an all-defense caliber guy. It's, you you right. can find those level of players well, and the thing, in the OG bottom half of yeah. the first la- in the first half. So well, Yeah, and the thing, the thing about, about defenders is that because we don't have good quantifiable measurements for it, especially as a translation from college or Europe to the pros... Like, you get those guys later because the one thing you can count is points. Can you get open and score? So guys who don't do that first off, guys who are more defensive-oriented, they fall down the board. It's not that that offensive guys are better than defensive guys. It's just easier to see them. It's easier to be like, that skill's going to translate. His step back is hard to, to guard. I can draft that guy, and he will succeed at putting the ball in the hoop. Like... It, it may, it's 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 easier for, to notice those sorts of things on offense. For sure, I'm uh I'm full agreement there. It's it's one of those things where you really have to start digging into that film if you're gonna find a guy who makes a lot of sense. And but right. one of the things that really stood out about Matisse Thybul was his defensive metrics at the college yep. level were ridiculous. Agreed. So yes. it's it's you can you can, find, you can find some yeah. of those guys. Yep. Yeah, it's not right. going to be perfect, but but it's possible. You have an idea. And um, they don't need it to be yeah. perfect. They just need the guy who can defend. Like it, yeah. even even if that's all he can do, like has to defend and doesn't just just can't shoot, you know, 25. Well, he can't shoot like Roberson. Three. Like I it, that's the problem right, is you exactly. you can't have a guy who shoots yeah. 25% from 3 like you said and like you know, never gets to the rack and never shoots free throws. Like, if you have a yeah, guy who, who even can just get to the rack and get fouled and shoot free throws, you've got something. You know, but yeah, it, he Tory, can't just Tory be Craig was He was on that borderline this past year right. of yep. unplayable offensively. In the past couple of seasons, he's really affected Denver's defense or their offense negatively. Right. And so but at the if same you, side, we've seen, we saw in the playoffs when he's shooting around 40% from three, what, yep. like, what an asset he can be. Yep. That kind of yeah, player who's consistent I, from deep, right. or even just a good who can put the ball in the hoop, you know yeah. that really helps you. As long as guys can't sag off of you, then Denver's right. okay. As long as they're not going to make you prove it, right? Then you're going to be all right. Yeah, don't don't have so we'll a, uh, a Kenyon Martin shot. That's all I'm asking. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, we'll see if they can add that kind of player. Uh, a couple of other guys who aren't necessarily as high uh, as I think of Devin Vassell or v- Vassell are Sadiq Bay of Villanova and, yeah. and Aaron Neesmith of Vanderbilt. Uh, those are, I would say, solid rotation players. Bay is more of a 6'7", 6'8", outside shooter. Good length defensively. He's probably Otto Porter. That's who I would describe him as. Uh, and then Aaron Neesmith of Vanderbilt. I don't really have a great comp for him because he's uh, he's probably the best shooter in the draft, best shooter in the class. He shot 50% from three. Uh, or over 50%. He was at 52%, and he had shot a high free throw percentage. So it's real. The sh- the shot is real. If you could add a guy like that, your offense will roll no matter what. Clay Thompson's your, your comp, but nobody wants to comp to Clay Thompson. Like, mm. like literally, he's a 6'6 wing who can shoot his ass off. Like, I, the problem with him, I think he did he sprain an ankle or break a foot, or he did something weird yeah. in, his, in his body he, this year. 
he suffered an injury and went out for the season. He only played 14 games. So right. there is definitely question marks there Small for sure size, with him. Yeah. And, uh, and I mean, Clay but, came out at like 20, what, 21, 22? Like he'd played yeah. a bunch at Washington State or whatever since, you know, before he showed up. Um, and and these is not that. Malik Beasley broke his foot. And yeah. he played very little. Well, shit, yeah, broke his while shin, he's yeah. more of yep. or shin, uh, while he's more of an offensive focus guy and, and somebody who didn't really focus on the defensive end at all, uh, he still proved that he could be a valuable offensive player, even coming off of an injury like that. Still maintained some of his jump, some of his leap. Right. Uh, well, and you're not seven Lee feet. Like the, 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 I worry yeah. about foot injuries with seven footers way more than like six and a half footers. Right. Yeah. Um. So like I, I'm more seven concerned about ball foot balls injury foot injury ruins their career. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. The number of the number of bigs who've lost their careers to foot injuries I mean, is large. The number of, you know, guards that have is, is pretty small. Um right. but my my can the Nuggets can at least take somebody like Neesmith and put him on the bench for a year. They don't care. I mean that that's the that's literally the Malik Beasley path like you were talking about. Sit on yeah. the bench for a year, get healthy, practice shooting, learn the defense, we'll talk to you in twenty twenty two. Like that's that's yeah. what the Nuggets do. And that's what good teams do. That's yeah. When you don't, if you can do it, yeah. Team, right. When you're not just like I got to get butts in the seats, or I got I got a bunch of bums on my roster, like so I'm gonna play this kid. Like the good teams, I, I mean, you, we we've talked about it on the pod before. Like when the Nuggets in the 2000s with George Carl, with the exception of Ty Lawson, like no rookies ever played. Now, granted, some of that was work and team never drafted rookies, but But you think of a guy like a Kenneth Fareed, right? Like Kenneth Fareed did not play right away. He eventually got in during his rookie year because Nene got hurt. Right. And that's actually what ended up facilitating them to trade Nene. But like, that's, that's how, what good teams do. They're, they're going to have young players and they're going to develop him for at least a year. Uh, and then maybe that second, you know, you, that first year, you, you pretty much should be spending the entire time down in the G League. And then that second year, maybe you're not really down in the G League, save for a couple of weeks at the beginning of the season. But you're not really in the rotation either, right? You're like, you're you're the injury replacement. In case someone gets hurt, you step in. And then when those opportunity comes, if you make the most of it, okay, now into your third season, now you're a regular rotation player. Now you're like part of this core. Well, I... Really looking forward to the time that Aaron Neesmith gets to spend with the Colorado Springs affiliate. Oh, I'm sorry. That that doesn't Oh, uh, no G League. Uh, yeah, no uh, G League. Mm, yeah. All right. Well, I've got two more guys. They're very brief. Uh, I don't know as much about the second one, but the first one I already did a profile on, and that's Tyler Bay of CU. I know you love him. Yeah. Local kid. He's... <laughs> he's... <laughs> if you want him, I think you can get him the second, man. Like, I'm not lying to you. I don't know. I Honestly, he's a guy who I think... I mean... And maybe this it only takes hurts one, one team. because right. because he's not like like but honestly he's a guy who will shine in workouts he's a guy who very athletic sure. if he shows that he can shoot yeah, like if, if he's got that jumper going on oh, if he's puts wait, through those wait, athletic wait, drills wait wait, wait 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 a wing a wing from Colorado who can't shoot oh that never happens never <laughs> he's I don't think he's going to be a wing I think if Andre Robertson was drafted today he would be a four he would be the yeah, guy who like switches one through um, four on your defense and and then you put him in the short corner and he can uh he can dunk and and Tyler Bacon dunk he can jump he can really get up he's very athletic right he's a guy who can switch from power forward to point guard pretty easily uh, he was always taking those assignments, and he won Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year. And the last Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year was Matisse Dybul. So there is some precedent for that. There is some precedent for an athlete who can switch, who sure. if his jump shot works out, 
could play in between a guy like Porter and Jokic just because it doesn't take a lot for him to be a valuable player when Porter and Jokic are on your team. You're not wrong. I mean, you're, you're bracketing him with amazing offensive talent and being like, just don't screw this up. Um, and it's but, easy. but I'm also saying, hey, you have to defend. You have to yeah. be the guy who yeah, leads yeah. the charge on the defensive right. end. And well, that's a role. That's a big, important role for this team. Yeah, well, I mean, the Nuggets, If let's just say that, that MPJ is their gallo. You know, that you've got your your scoring mismatch at the three who could play four, you know, because he's big enough and can rebound, but he's not really a defender in the paint. So you don't play him there. You play him as a wing, which is Porter. Um, and then you're going to, you're looking for a guy who can do whatever Wilson Chandler did when he was healthy. You're looking for a guy who can defend like, you know, at least two to two through four, you know, can keep, he have to have a neck baby tattoo. I don't think it's a requirement, but it doesn't (laughs) hurt. I mean, we like neck tattoos in Denver. Like, I mean, that was Kenyon too. Like that's our thing. That's right. The lips that he turned into a crown. Oh, exactly. Man. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> but no, it's it, like that's you. You are looking for a defensive four, like because as much as I enjoy Grant, I don't think Grant is an amazing defender. He's got length. He makes up yes. for it with some athleticism. I I wouldn't necessarily say putting Grant on anybody is going to stop them. Yeah, I agree. The other guy that I have listed is Paul Reed from DePaul. He's a guy who is an advanced stats darling, a very good option at power forward. Somebody who, like Tyler Bay, can switch a little bit. See, He's I still very think him, skilled. Him and, I see you like those guys, Tyler Bay, Paul Reed. You you really do enjoy those stat guys, man. Like, I get it. Um, I well, just don't know that they, that they have to be drafted where you think they are drafting. Honestly, though, if you, if you look through the the database on sports reference and, and you search some of those guys that put up those great steal rates and block rates. Those are your athletes that make it to the NBA. They're, they're the guys sure. at the next level who are the most impactful defenders. And Paul Reed is a guy who like Tyler Bay can switch really well. He's very bit like he's, he's got better size than Tyler Bay. He's a little bit thicker. He's a guy who could probably be your main matchup on an Anthony Davis or a Giannis Antetokounmpo. And and if he def- if he develops correctly, then he wouldn't be the worst option in the world on those guys. And no. you need a player like that who, even if he's not your starter, even if it's it's somebody a little bit smaller who's your starter to really play, who can defend threes uh, while Porter defends fours, then you still have to have a guy who can defend those good power forwards. And I think he could... At least has a good case for it. Well, I don't think you're wrong on that. I just uh, those two guys are both workout guys who you need to see them against other like first round picks to see what that defense looks like in person. And I don't think he's going to get that opportunity. Uh, I'm I. It makes it hard for you to make that evaluation that this guy is good against you know guys much smaller than him in college, for instance. And now he's going up against, you know, 6'11 power forwards in the NBA. It's a little different when you're trying to keep Mason Plumlee out of the paint as a physical specimen. True. Right. You know, uh, and so those are those are the things that you want to see. You, you've got to see those guys in person. And because the Nuggets aren't going to get that opportunity, I don't know that uh, I don't know that those would be guys at 21 that they would go for. Um, I I can see it because you're looking at a type at a at a player type who's a defensive guy, you know, who can um, get some blocks, get some rebounds. You know what I mean? Like that's you're 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 hoping that the shot comes through. That you give him a year or two on the bench working with your shot guys, 
or hell, just hanging out his, with Ball Ball. Like, his shot is good though. He's he's not bad, and and I think his he's, shots all right. If, the uh, the the important thing with a guy like him is that he's actually like he has a lot of these versatile traits and this good solid skill set. You just if, want Brandon you can, Clark. You can't lie. To oh, me about I, that's honestly, I'm I wanted him. <laughs> You're still mad a year later about badly, Brandon Clark. And I and who was right? He's going to be either be third. He's either going to be third in rookie of the year or fourth in rookie of the yep. year this year. So yep, yep. I mean. Like Paul Reed averaged 15 points, 11 rebounds, 1.6 assists. So not really a great passer, but he also averaged 1.9 steals. He has a bunch of steals. I remember that blocks. Yeah, that's a that's a pretty damn good stat line. I'm I'm nothing wrong with that for sure. No, no, I I would go with I would go with the first three guys you listed: Sadiq Bay, you know, uh, Neesmith, and uh, and Vassell. Yeah, though I don't again I don't think a couple of those guys are getting there, but. If they did, I would be totally fine with that. These are guys that, you know, they're not, you can't really trade back in the NBA the way you would in the NFL. Um, you just take the guy at, at your position. Um, yeah. Or you trade out of the round. You don't like, you know, it, it's it's harder in the 20s, say, to swap 21 for 27. Like, yeah, I wonder if they just, like, used Bull Bull and said, hey, here, we'll give you this guy for the 29th pick in the draft this year, and we'll take another player. We'll take Paul Reed or we'll take Tyler Bay at that position right. as opposed to... Uh, I think you'd absolutely and, take a draft and sash at that point, but I hear you. Yeah. Like, for me, like, I would I would think that uh, they're going to look at guys from Europe, that you're going to look at guys like um, uh, Theo Maladon. Um, Maybe. I, I, I just because you have Morris that. coming up on that deal, and if Morris is going to get, oh. I don't know, $14 million in free agency, maybe you don't have it. You know, well, I'm just more thinking of like the tax concerns this year. Like you need, yeah. you need as many cheap guys as possible. You do. So, if you've got to fill out, if if you can get a rookie contract down there, then that's at least going to be cheap for several years. So, yep. Well, we have no idea have. what's happening with the cap this year. Like the cap is going to be insanity, bonkers. Um, it's probably not going to be good. Let's just be honest. Well, it's yeah, it's it's certainly. Do did we ever figure out if Jamal Murray's contract is based off of last year's? Um, Salary cap. It is. Years. It is based off of the 2020-2021 salary cap. Aha. Twenty five percent of that. So that so will help because I was all, like, if it's all based off of last stop year, bitching about his contract and just say, hey, it's only twenty five percent of a hundred billion as opposed to twenty five percent of a hundred and fifteen million. So it yay. makes a difference. <laughs> it makes a difference. Like it. It, yeah. it does. Like honestly, because if, if yeah, the cap I mean, is way down next year, this is the year you. You want to have that hit. You didn't want it last year, and you don't want it next year. This is the year you wanted it. So, I get it. Like, that might be a. This is going to be weird, but that might be one of those things that cap guys are like, "Woo, we we saved five million bucks on <laughs> Jamal Murray." Like, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. Uh, all right. Well, that's probably enough draft discussion. Zach, do you have anything to add there? Nope, I'm good. Sick. Zach's like, I don't care okay. about the draft. Talk to me when the draft happens. <laughs> exactly. Well, we're, we're going to do another draft activity right after the break. So when you come back, we're going to redraft the top prospects from 2016 to 2020. All right, we're back. 
the Denver Stiff Show. Ryan Blackburn here, joined, of course, by Zach Mikosh and Gordon Gross. Guys, we got into a heated discussion at the beginning of this podcast. This is my fault. Yep. This we is haven't slimy. recorded. We didn't record this, and but we, we got into a discussion about, okay, if Michael Porter Jr. was to be redrafted, if we did a redrafting of the last five drafts, we'll say, where would Michael Porter Jr. go? How high can we reasonably take him? And for the record, I was last four drafts. So well, so so we're gonna we're gonna say last four drafts, and then tacking on the 2020 draft. Are there any guys in the 2020 draft, Gordon, that you think could be drafted over Michael Porter Jr.? I mean, uh, we haven't seen any of them actually like play in the NBA yet. Unlike, like the, right now, unlike like, the other guys. Like, I mean, this is one of those yeah. things where we've seen Michael Porter Jr. play a little bit, and we've seen a bunch of other guys from 2016 to 2019 play a lot. Uh, you haven't seen any of those guys, but there's no one that I would take over Michael Porter Jr. in the 2020 draft. Like, And I'm biased because I watch him play all the time for the couple minutes before Michael Malone pulls him out of the lineup. <laughs> you know, it, but I just I don't see anybody with that sort of game-breaking size shot making etc i'm full agreement there it just it just doesn't seem like that that makes a lot of sense it's like michael porter jr is the guy that you're hoping for in any of these drafts he was like the the word on him back in 2018 was that in the 2016 17 and 18 classes he was the guy who was be ranked number one in all of them and luka Doncic went there and, and ben simmons went there so we're going to talk about all of those guys. I think this is going to be an interesting activity. I put together my top 10 prospect redraft list from, we're going to call it the 2016 draft, which is the Ben Simmons, Brandon Ingram draft. Uh, Jamal Murray. Down to, and Jamal Murray, of course. Uh, down to 2017, 2018, and 2019. So 2019, of course, is Ian Williamson. 2018, you had DeAndre Ayton at the top and Luka Doncic at third. Uh, so we're going to talk about uh, some of those guys, not all of them, but some of them. Uh, I'll start with you, Zach. If you had to draft one player from 2016, 2017, 2018, or 2019, who would you take first? Uh, I would take Luka Doncic. I think it to me it's it's a it's a two player question. Are you taking Luka Doncic or are you taking Zion Williamson? And I just I feel like Luca is just the the complete package a little bit more than Zion. Not that Zion isn't. I think Zion might maybe have like the higher ceiling because I think Zion might end up being the the guy who takes over for LeBron as the as the best player on earth. But um, I also think that Luca might be the European LeBron. So it's you know it, it's it's a it's a tomato tomato thing. You you couldn't go wrong with either guy, but. I just I like how Luca is is just the, the I think he's just a little bit more well rounded than Zion so I'll I I take Luca yeah I would too just because Zion I I his frame landing that hard all the time right I I watched like Larry Johnson go from being amazing to having some back problems to being okay like right. I I worry about a guy that heavy. Wait, and Shaq lasted a long time in his career, especially for a guy who didn't like to come to camp in shape. You know, yeah, but Shaq didn't have that. It doesn't have like that athleticism. Like he's not running and jumping. Well, he you, like, if you watch like, first season Shaq, man, yeah, yeah, like or so Orlando Shaq, sure, but yeah. like by the time he was in L.A., like it was. I mean, but I mean, even it, it Dwight Howard, just, dude. like give the guy in the post. Yeah, yeah, know? but you know, Dwight Howard was the athletic specimen, and then he started having problems. Right, right. Like, it, well, you said. Well, you said European LeBron for uh, Luka Doncic, and I think that 
Cleveland or Cleveland or LeBron, excuse me, early career LeBron makes sense for Zion, except Zion is 40 pounds heavier than that dude and two inches shorter. Yeah, he's, and just, so he's that's, such a stout dude, man. He's a tree it's, trunk. It's very interesting, very weird, uh, but very so, good. One of the reasons, one of the, I, I've in and Zion feels right in this comparison, but I, I've always compared LeBron to Shaq, um, not because that they have particularly similar skill sets, um, but because the the level of la- athleticism they have at their size, like if you could make that into a ratio, into a number, it's off the charts, right? Like people that big are as big as LeBron are not, no one is as close to as athletic as he is at that size. Same with Shaq. Was he the most athletic player in the league? No, but at, at his size, like it was insane how athletic he is. Right. It's the same thing with Zion. And when you have that mixture, it's like, you know, how do you stop it? Because you're either going to be too small and you're going to get overpowered or you're not going to be quick enough and he's just going to get right by you. And like that's that when you have that special combination, I mean, it makes for a very special player. It is very clearly Luca and Zion, I believe. Even if you have concerns about his injuries, uh, those are the one potential two. I don't. To, I, I, like, I can like, see I think, it either way, but those are one. They've got to be one two. Gotta be. Right. I, it's those are they're elite prospects, the best we've seen in a long time, except for maybe Nikola Jokic, but that's okay. Uh, right. No one was ready for that guys, kind of athleticism. It's just not their fault. I, hey, it's his his uh his it's off the charts, just like you said. There's a chart. Uh, yep. <laughs> Uh, Gordon, who would you have at three? Uh, I don't know. Um, I might go. I might go Tatum. Okay, it's hard to say. You've also got you know Ben Simmons in there, and, and Ben. Ben just requires such a a certain build around him that I don't think that Tatum does. Right, and that's totally fair, Tatum. It, I think it reminds people a lot of the best stars in today's game. And you've got the Paul Georges, the KDs, the all of those tall, small forwards who can get their shot off over anybody. It just makes a lot more sense than a guy like Ben Simmons, who we haven't seen really since Magic Johnson or uh, LeBron James or guys like that. And it's really hard to see Ben Simmons really optimizing himself until Joel Embiid and Al Horford get out of the lane. So. I, yeah, I, I would love to see him on a different team that's laid out differently like you have guys who are in his way honestly they kind of need to build around him the way they they should build around Jokic which is you've got him doing all of the big man passing from wherever he wants to do that from and you've got a bunch of cutters slashers shooters scorers just spaced out around him but nobody's packing the lane so you can get some other guys in there um the difference with Jokic of course is that he can make the shots that um Simmons can't necessarily make yeah Right. Um, so I have actually have Tatum four, uh, and I have Pascal Siakam as number three. I have Siakam four. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I have Ben Simmons three, Tatum four, Pascal five. So I have Simmons five. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So it sounds like we've kind of all got the same tier. We just kind of yep. juggle them around. It's very interesting. It's those guys who are all in the Eastern Conference, all around the same size, but play their positions in drastically different ways. It's it's actually right. kind of unique. Um, yeah, I mean, you've got you've got one guy who's like a point guard, you know. I mean, is Siakam is kind of like your Swiss Army knife, um, and just like a guy, a guy, a guy who really does everything uh, well. And then obviously Tatum is the 
the the uber scorer that that every every team wants every every team that ever wins a championship has that kind of scorer on the wing so and it's who uh, the nuggets all, all want michael porter jr to be like, like they yeah. want him to be that dominant wing scorer and he makes sense in that role i think that that's that's what i would profile michael porter jr as is the uh the type of guy that you give the ball and say, hey, we need a bucket no matter what level it's on and no matter how contested it is. And that's what uh, Tatum has done really well over the past couple of years. Uh, really impressed over that time. Um, okay, but three, four, and five, they are pretty set. One and two are obviously set. Who would you guys have at six right now? I have Jaw at six. Interesting. I had him lower. Who do you got, Ryan? I have Bam Adebayo. Yeah, I have him way lower. I had uh, Sabonis. Also have him way lower. Yeah, I, I I didn't have Sabonis on my list. And I think you're wrong. I, I could be. And and this is this is one of the main arguments that we got into before this podcast. Uh, I think that Sabonis is good to a certain level, uh, but he seems like a guy who's perennially going to raise his team's floor, but not necessarily their ceiling. Somebody who can give you 17 points, 13 boards, four assists, but he's not a game-changing passer. He's not a game-changing scorer, and I feel like you need one of those traits to be maxed out in order to really make this list. He's certainly not a game-changing defender. He's not. Um, But again, I think he's on the right team for how he plays. Um, So uh, some of that, I guess, is fit. Like, you know, you're looking at some guys around the league who aren't as good a fit, you know, but he's, what, 23 years old, putting up, you know, 18, 12, and 5? Like, nobody does that. I mean, other than Jokic, but nobody does that. Yeah, and I don't know. I still, I'm still a little bit, I even think that his role is a little bit weird with the Pacers and that they have, like, you don't necessarily trust them as a playoff team because they don't have the guard scoring, and that's not something that Sabonis can make up for, unlike no. Jokic. Like, Jokic can make that up because he can go to work as a scorer and a passer. He can pass those guys open. Sabonis really gets his scoring kind of in the and, and passing in the flow of the offense that's designed and kind of initiated by the guards. Right. Sure. I mean, he's... Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. He's not a guy who like you're you're, you're not going to feature him as your star player on any team. Like that's that's not his. But I, we're we're pretty much past those guys anyways in our list at this point, um, unless they play on really bad teams. But like uh, Sabonis, I mean, he's he's incredibly solid. He's you know he's he's offensively he's just he's a weapon, and and that I think getting a weapon like him on the offensive side from a big man. Is, is harder and harder to find, and, and, and they're rare. You know, you have the Jokic's and the Embiid's and the Towns, but we're talking, you know, these are like, these are guys who are clearly stars um, in the league, and, and Sabonis doesn't get mentioned in that same group in terms of guys of, uh, of in terms of bigs with offensive talent, but maybe he should be, like, because he's not, he's not far off. I'm not saying he's as good as any of those guys on offense, because he's not, but he's, it's not... That big of a drop off to me. He reminds me of Kevin Love before Kevin was really a three point shooter. Yeah, that's good. That's decent. Okay. That's, and, and, uh, I can, and, that's and I can and I can I can say that you would say that well that guy didn't raise his team because he didn't take Minnesota anywhere. But that guy's going to be a perennial all star. Like right. 
he's going to be five, six-time All-Star in his career. Yeah, and I'm, you're right. You are absolutely right, but DeMar DeRozan was also a perennial All-Star. And, and sure. If, if you're in the Eastern Conference and you're a floor raiser and you're on a team that's perennially good but not great. Well, and here's what we start talking about, like, what you're, like whether you're shooting downside or not. Like, as far as upside, Michael Porter Jr. has a higher upside than Sabonis. Yeah. Like, well, I mean, Sabonis actually has, he, his points are, his production is better than I thought it was. Yeah, no, so he's, dude, he's 18, 12, assault. and 5. Like, easy. Easy. He, he's not shooting threes. It, he just puts balls back in the hoop. He follows up guys. He's crafty in the paint. You know, um, he gets to the foul line in a, a bit. Like, I mean, about as much as Jokic. So... Hmm. Yeah, I'm 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 willing to put him in that tier. I'm not necessarily willing to put him over Porter, just because I really do think the Porter can be that game changer. So well, I have Porter who... at seven, so I think I have him higher than okay. Andrew. So okay, fair enough. Like that's, the only reason good. I took the only reason I took Sabonis is because Sabonis doesn't have injury problems and he's not built like a big who should. Like he's built like a guy who should have a nice fifteen year career. Right. Yep, for sure. All right, let's let me just run through the rest of my list then, because if you have Porter at seven, I'll just list the rest of my guys. I have Jaron Jackson at seven. I, I think like that he is a guy yep. who he fell off a little bit this past season, but I still think that he's super young. He's still somebody who, once he learns NBA defense, he's going to be a defensive player of the year candidate pretty consistently. And if you can go off the dribble and and shoot threes as a four or five combo, then that's, that's a good place to be. So, but I have, I mean, Porter he's still younger than Michael Porter jr. Right. Like Jaron Jackson. Yeah, he is. With him. yeah. He is. I have Porter at eight. I have Brandon Ingram at nine and I have John Morant at 10. Okay. Fair enough. I, um, so I don't have Porter in my top 10. Um, I have Brandon Ingram at seven. Uh, I have Trey young at eight. I have. I can't believe nobody's mentioned this guy. I have De'Aaron Fox at nine, um, and then I had Sabonis at. 10. I do not have De'Aaron Fox at nine. Yeah, I. He was on my initial list. Man. He was on my. The, he's a he's a guy who's going to perennially be like a a borderline great point guard, but I just don't ever see him, and I don't see that position ever being super valuable in a league that really needs length, athleticism, and shooting. Yeah, I mean, what? But again, I mean, where, where's the team that hasn't won a? I mean, I got Toronto. I guess a little bit less, but Kyle Lowry is pretty, pretty darn good point. Kyle Lowry is pretty um, good. Like well, to win the, a championship. Team, to win a championship, you need good players. Like I, I, I do. I, yeah, but I agree with you there. Where's the championship team that doesn't have a star point guard? Um, I guess the uh, Nuggets. Well, they haven't <laughs> yeah. won a championship. That's what I'm saying. You got to go back. I mean, you got to go back. Well, before Golden State, Cleveland had Kyrie. You're like, not wrong. Who won? You're not who wrong. Won before Golden State it was the Heat. So yeah, you got to go back to the Heat. Um, with where LeBron was playing. Yeah, Tony uh, Parker yeah, Tony wasn't Parker the star was kinda, at that yeah, point. You're right. He, uh, was, he was pretty much at the end. The Mavs with uh, Jason Kidd were JJ Barea was a star. Look, man, Jason <laughs> Kidd is a Hall of Famer. You can I tell agree. me that like so he's not Tony a star Parker. point guard, but come on. Yeah, but they were they were old. I I am with Ryan on that. I mean, Jason Kidd was pretty old. He was old. When they won that when they won He that was title. crafty. When 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 point guards get yeah. old, they just get crafty. They go I will say Andre that Miller. Yep. You you are right that you need a really good point guard to make a championship team run or at least a really great decision maker, a primary right. playmaker. Yeah, like the Heat had LeBron, so yeah. it's, you know. 
but you don't necessarily need that guy to be in their prime. Uh, you can you can get away with a Kyle Lowry who's at 32 or 33. Uh, same with Tony Parker. Same with Jason Kidd. Guys of that caliber. Uh, Kyrie Irving was the only exception, but I also think that he's kind of an exception to this list because he's a shooting guard who kind of was a point guard, but he was asked to score as a yeah. as a guy playing off of LeBron. He's he's a he's a shooting guard who has also just has an incredible handle. You know, in that in that True. scenario, so you could give him the ball, and he could ISO and and create for himself, um, like a point guard would with his handle. But yeah, you're right. I mean, they the LeBron was still the guy running that offense in Cleveland. So you had De'Aaron Fox. You had uh, who was your number ten? Sabonis. Sabonis. And so okay. then I have all right. So I have I I had Michael Porter Jr. at thirteen. Um, oh. I might I might have him at twelve. So I have Bam Adebayo at eleven. Um, okay. And another one that I that I, I I don't I don't know, but I have Shea Gil, Gilgis Alexander at twelve. Okay, Ooh, I, guess, I, okay. I, I I like mean, Shea. Yeah, fine. It's 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 justifiable, but he's that's, he's a guy right. kind of like how I feel. Uh, like he's he's a Swiss Army knife who I don't think he's ever going to be great enough at one thing, uh, especially the shooting and playmaking aspect of this that you can really justify it. So, but hey, he's a good prospect. He's really really good. Yeah, I'm just again. We're looking at it like this is Michael Porter Jr. and what I'm basing it on the fact that he's not a mirage in the 500 minutes we got to watch. Like you're talking about a scorer who has limitless scoring possibilities and is also going to get you a double double every night because he's going to average 10, 11 boards a game. Like there aren't any guys like that. I don't know who to compare him to. So it's hard for me when it's like, well. You know, Bam out of bio. I'm like, I like Bam. I Bam's in my top ten. He's, I think he's tenth. You know, it, I. I might be overrating him a bit. I would not trade Michael Porter Jr. and his twenty and ten for Bam just because of the way that Michael Porter Jr. is gonna score it. Right. You know, yeah, like Bam it's, is it's, is in that sense when we're talking about Sabonis versus MPJ. You know, it's the same thing with Bam, where you're like, yeah, sure, as long as you have a guy who can get him the ball and it's the right scenario, Bam can be a good tertiary scorer for you. You know what I mean? Um, so independent, independent of the Nuggets needing a guy like Sabonis because they have Jokic, uh, would you trade Michael Porter Jr. for a Sabonis caliber player? Man, people would riot, right? If you did it, that's what I was just thinking too. Like, if let's say the they, you know, again, regardless of, of the fit, but let's just say that the report comes out, the Nuggets trade Michael Porter Jr. for Demontis Sabonis. Like, people would be pissed. Yeah, but that's also that. because of who we have. Like, that's the problem: is you can't use Sabonis with Jokic. I'm sorry, just, is yeah, good, okay. Well, let's let's say they let's say instead of instead of Nikola Jokic, they have Paul George or somebody of that right. caliber. Um, and then they traded Michael Porter Jr. for DeMontis Sabonis. Like, I don't know if I would take Nikola Jokic and Michael Porter Jr. over DeMontis Sabonis or Paul George, but I probably would, like, at, at this point, like, in terms of their levels I, of development. Yeah, you're probably right. So I'll probably put Michael up to six. Thanks for that. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. Um, just making sure. Uh, but I would take Jaron Jackson over him, and I don't know about Bam Adebayo. I think you can make I, a, I would not take Jaron Jackson a, over him. Yeah, Jaron didn't make my, make my list. I mean, he's probably right there. Like, and yeah. the other guy, Maybe which I, I thought was interesting. Too. I um, love Jaron. I think Jaron's great. 
But here's where we start to, you, you know, you start to overvalue. Are you? Are we overvaluing Michael Porter? This has been the thing that you know yeah. Malone keeps yelling at us about when we kept yelling at him about why isn't Michael MPJ playing? Um, when you look at a guy and you see brief glimpses and you're like, well, you've shown me 20 minutes here, 10 minutes here, 15 minutes there, and you look like a complete fucking star. Like, it's right there. It's written. It's written all over the the court. The ball is in his hands, and you just wait for him to do great things. You're breathless about it. I don't feel that way about Sabonis. I don't feel that way about, um, you know, Bam. I don't feel that way about uh, Jaron Jackson. I am not breathlessly anticipating their next movement because it could be another highlight, another crazy talented move by somebody who was gifted by the basketball gods. And that's that's MPJ, and... It's frustrating because, you know, Jamal Murray's been in the league four years. He's not on my list above, you know, any of these guys. But um, neither is Donovan Mitchell. There are, Donovan neither Mitchell's is De'Aaron Fox. There are a lot of guys yep. who aren't, like, above Michael Porter Jr. in the size that he can create. I, I don't know if it's necessarily a knock on those guys. It's very rare to get on this list as a guard. And that's my thing is guards – it's not that needing a guard is underrated. Like um, Zach said, you're going to need a guard – a point guard especially, to win in the NBA. You've got to have one. But there's a lot of them. Like, it's a guard league. Like, you know, right. you're getting guards in every... And the Nuggets the Nuggets are one of those teams who maybe doesn't, right? Because and that's my thing, yeah. Jokic. Yeah. Yeah, and there aren't a lot of young guards. That's what I'll say, is that we have John Morant, we have De'Aaron Fox, we have Jamal Murray, and if you want to count Donovan Mitchell in that conversation, then Young. okay. But Trey Young is yeah. fine. Uh, he's, I mean, he's very talented. He's very good, but I think we all have concerns about what he could be defensively. He's um, the same problem you have with, you know, with the Celtics, Isaiah Thomas. Yeah, and they they had a very hard ceiling based off of that. Yes, sure. and and I and I think that that's the same problem. And the thing you don't have with with um, Michael Porter Jr. is that ceiling, because even if he becomes just average at at defense, he's so freaking long. Yep. Like, he doesn't have to be right there. He doesn't have to be right there all the time. You get past him, fine. He'll block you on the way to the basket. Like, right. he did it this year already, and he still doesn't know what he's doing. Yeah, once so he gets into that level, it's it's going to be it's gonna be really interesting to see what he could do. I mean, Brandon Ingram is, you know, on this list, and you're looking at Michael Porter Jr., who's bigger than him in every way. Yeah. More muscles, I, the more only length, thing is more size, you know... Same quality of shooter, better rebounder. Passing's the only thing that I would consider there. Right. Well, and and then the consistency, right? Because sure. and, and that's not necessarily a knock on Michael Porter Jr. It's just he hasn't had the time, right? He right. Well, and, yeah, Ingram certainly wasn't consistent his first couple of years either. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people thought Ingram was a bust until up until this season. Right. There's a lot of projection that goes on with these discussions. With yeah. Yeah. Well, this is why uh, you know we... Adam Morris hates these. He's like, why are you ranking people? That's why we're doing it, Adam. We, we, we want to put this to you. We hate you. Uh, no. that's, that's, uh, you're you're our boy, okay. Adam. Don't listen to that. Uh, no, we, uh, we're, we're good. We are going to get some hate from the Utah Jazz fans if they listen to this because none of us had Donovan Mitchell. Well, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, do yeah. they? Like, I mean, that's that's the thing. You You look at that team and you're like, okay, so let's say that it does blow up with Rudy Gobert. Um, which one of them are you trading? Are you trading Gobert? You should trade Donovan Mitchell. Yeah, you, you should. should. Keep Rudy Gobert. But they won't. Yeah, and I, I don't even know if that's true. Like, 
I think that you can get by with what Rudy does, and you could you could change that into something else, change that into somebody who's a little bit more valuable offensively, a little bit more versatile offensively. The the offense doesn't – this is like a huge misconception about the Jazz. The offense does not run through Donovan Mitchell. It runs through Rudy Gobert. Yep. Like that's that's he's the guy who sets everything up for them, so like that's why I'm like you could find you can find another a guy who can score a bunch of points and is so so with his efficiency. I feel like Rudy Gobert's that that's a hard person to replace. Well, the problem is they'd have to change everything they do, like literally right. everything that the Jazz do gets thrown out the window, and now you're left with what level of player do you think Donovan Mitchell is? Is he better than D'Angelo Russell? Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Because well, that you, then you're talking about what happens to the Minnesota Timberwolves if you pull Carl Anthony Towns off that team and the best player on the team is D'Angelo Russell. Where are you going? What are you doing? Probably not a lot of good. Um, I mean, it would be like the Nuggets without Jokic. You're yeah. basing, and you know, Jamal Murray, would be, yeah, Jamal Murray is your best player. Crazy. And you're yeah. like, well, that's fine. And, you know, at least now you know what kind of offense you're running. Um, and Jamal Murray's a good player. I don't know how many times Jamal Murray's going to be an all-star. But can you really just put the whole offense on him? I mean, you could do it like Devin Booker. That's what that's what Phoenix has been doing, is running Devin Booker out there forever and saying, he, you know, heave up 25 shots a game. It's fine. Oh, man, did we miss Book? Is he on this... No, he's 2015. He's 2015. Okay. He, we, didn't, we didn't miss okay. Book. No, he was he was the year before Jamal. Say, I was like, how did I miss the book? He should definitely be on this list. <laughs> Yeah, definitely, maybe. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. But I, I'm He's not a good, book guy. But we'll see. Yeah. But um, again, it's this is one of those things where you're trying to figure out who could you like realistically have as your number one or number two star. This is only a, a list of number one or number two guys, and we can debate Siakam and whether he's actually like a number one or number two guy. I feel like he proved it this year. I thought so. One guy. Yeah. That he or at least do. like on the borderline. That he yeah. could be a, yeah. a low tier number one, and and right. you can get away with that. a number one on a playoff team in the East on a on a high seed in the East. The problem is, is this that is, is, a, is this not is a hard. list because it's yeah, been a I, I, weird right. draft. <laughs> the bar is pretty low, right? But it's been a, it's been a weird couple of drafts. You have Luca, right. who's an outstanding superstar. You have Zion, who's an outstanding superstar. You have Tatum, who's probably a little bit below that. Um, I know Celtics fans hate hearing that, but. You know, he's more on the Paul, um, Paul Pierce level of star. Right. You know, where you need yeah, another not dude. A lot of not a lot of no-brainers, I would say. Not a lot of guys who, yeah, exactly. beyond those top two, and even that second one is a little bit injury risk-worthy. Uh, Luca's the only guy who you really feel confident about could be... Luca's a face of the league. You know he's a yeah. face of the league. Yeah. Right. That that can guy you, can you is... Realistically, can you realistically say that... Michael Porter Jr. could be better than any of the guys on this list except for Luka Doncic. Yes. Uh, well, Zion's the other one that I would have. Well, let's say let's right. say Zion can only play six years. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's an injury thing, right? But you have those same ex- you have the exact same same, same concerns with Michael, Michael Porter. Porter Jr. Yeah. No, so. no argument. I don't think Michael Porter is going to have a fifteen-year career either. I, I mean, I, I don't know, guys. Like, I, I feel like the injury stuff is like. We still need to see it. We still need to see whether he can handle it. But the only reason that he actually sat games in February was it wasn't because he rolled problem. his ankle. Yeah. And everybody rolls their ankle. Like, it yep. just happens. Right. So, it happens. except if you're Steph Curry, then lot. it happens a lot. Um, I, well, I was going to say, it, it seems to happen, as as Nuggets fans know, with the, all the years we had Gallo here. Yep. Uh, lanky guys who like to drive to the hoop tend to 
step on feet and fall and, awkwardly. Yeah. yeah and, and fall awkwardly and, and turn ankles as yep. well. So it could be, it could be one of those things that we see happen quite often with, um, with Michael Porter Jr. And Gallo had back surgery. Gallo had a bag injury his rookie year. Yep. Like, I mean, it wasn't yeah. as, it wasn't as bad as MPJ's. Or after he, oh no. Yeah. It, that's no, that was his second year when he dropped 42 on yep. uh, the Nuggets. But hey, I mean, let's let's be honest here. How many years has Gallo played in the league? I mean, he hasn't been oh, the healthiest. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. No, he's been around for forever, and I think seven, Michael Porter can do that. Eight, right. 10, 11, I mean, we 12, used to call, 13. We used to call Gallo, right? The people used to call him Glassinari. Yep. Because yeah. because he was he'd so miss fifteen injured. games a year. Yeah. And yeah, yet but he's having one of his best seasons ever, and he's like, you know, what is he? He's got to be with 34, 35? No. He's 31. He was, this was his age 31 season. Yep. Oh, wow. Because he came in so young, man. He came in early. Yeah. yeah. That's right. So uh, for the Nuggets, though, like, this is what they need. Like, Michael Porter Jr. has to be their second best player. It's not a slam on Jamal Murray. Agreed. I think he can absolutely be the Paul Pierce of the championship squad. Right. You know what I mean? But in order to get there, you have to have a KG, you have to have a Ray Allen, you have to have other superstars on your team. Yeah, yeah. And that's fair. That's fine. I think in this current NBA climate, you need multiple stars. That's that's just right. the the fact of the matter. And even if you have a guy like Jokic, LeBron needed I mean, not Kyrie, but like he he needed he, some well, he did. really that, good guys. Yeah, that year he did. That year he needed Kyrie and Kevin Love and the yep. year before I mean, or the years before he needed uh, Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh. Yep. Those are Hall this of is, Fame guys. This is one of those things, too, and it really, you know, I, I think people really focused on it when, when uh, you know, LeBron and, and Bosh went to the Heat because it was the first time we've seen in a bit like a, a team just form with a bunch of stars. Usually right. it kind of grows a little more organically. But the fact of the matter is, is like, it is incredibly rare. It happens. I mean, I think of the Dallas team that won uh, the Pistons in, what was that, 04. Um it happens like once a decade, but for the most part, every championship team for like the past 30, 40 years has had 40 multiple years. stars. 40 years. You know, yeah. I mean, you know, like the, 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 the Celtics with Larry Bird. Yeah. They also had Kevin McHale and Robert Parrish. Like, yep. you know, the, the, the Lakers with magic. Well, yeah, but they also had the 76ers you know, I mean, had the like a bunch of stars too, man. Like back in the early eighties. Right. Right. I mean, I mean, James Worthy was on, on that, those Lakers teams. Like yep. they, you know the Bulls had as we as we're going through right now as watching this uh, this last dance documentary. I mean they had whether it was Jordan Pippen Rodman or Jordan Pippen Grant, like they had um, they had like three guys right the the Lakers in or the Spurs in their dynasties in the two thousands multiple stars yep. each time. Like that's that's what it takes to win a championship in the NBA. Or you hope you get lucky. You know if you're that one team who maybe gets lucky and gets. Uh, has a guy who has an unstoppable shot like Dirk, and he just plays out of his yeah, mind. Yeah, he has the playoffs of his, of his life. Players play yep. out of his mind. Yeah, yeah. And 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 you you catch you know the circumstances have to be just so perfect for that to happen. That made me start and it kind of already whether... happened last year, right? With with Toronto, that was kind yep. of they had the one star and then a bunch of really good role players around him, and they were able to win that. And let's be honest, and they, they were built right too. They that. knew each other. Yeah, and, and they probably don't win that if Kevin Durant and Clay Thompson don't get hurt. Right. Probably. Um, well, guys, this was a good discussion. This was a long discussion, just like just like normal. Just hey, like look, you're the one who gets us on, man. Like, you're going to have us stuff. on hey, together. I, I am problem. very happy to fill the window because this is great content, and I hope everybody appreciates it. We, uh, 
we're going to keep doing more of these. So if you have a topic that you'd like us to discuss, then make sure to let us know. Make sure to give us some give us some tidbits that you would really like to hear about, and we will go from there. So uh, again, my activity that I have planned will continue to be pushed on to a new podcast, and we will just... We got plenty of time. A, we'll, we'll start with that next week. How yeah, about like, that? Maybe we'll, we'll be open with that next we're gonna, time. We're going to... If you have stuff you want to do, man, yeah, you got to hit it early. If you put it in the the third, in the third segment, it's over. Uh, The great thing about it, though, is that it's it's like we have all the time in the world for this thing, so we're we're good. Um, But either way, guys, Gordon Gross at G Money Nugs on Twitter, Zach Mikosh at Zach Mikosh on Twitter. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We really appreciate hearing from everybody, and we will see you guys next week.